Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. Um, I got to start this over. Actually, I'll just edit it out. It's fine. You always say that, but then you don't. So I know this is going to be on the podcast, and it's okay. <laughs> every, every week. I know this is going in. I know for a fact this is going in. Every week. So, oh, what are you talking about? I always, I always edit it out. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, the last week I didn't edit it out. What are you talking about? Every time, every time. You can always say, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I got to remember these things. <laughs> this is a, this one's at the beginning, so maybe you will. I don't know. Dude, there has been other times where I haven't edited stuff out. Like mid-podcast, and you're just like, oh, oh no. don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. All right. <laughs> I can't believe I don't edit anything out. I, no, I forget. I think last week I was supposed to edit something out, and I totally forgot. I just uploaded Oh, whatever man whatever um i hope i didn't say anything bad but whatever no. anyway what's going on guys welcome to the upper hand fantasy podcast this is for us Siddiqui. um if you guys are hearing this for the second time because they didn't edit anything out i'm sorry uh joe's just making fun of me because he's saying that i always uh say i'm gonna edit certain parts out and i don't um mm. so you guys probably know what he's talking about because i don't um <laughs> uh, <laughs> but hope you guys are doing well um joe what's going on man I think it's it's we're officially getting to like the real like meat of the Ooh, off season yeah. this week because we're talking about all of the divisions in the NFL. So we're going division by division uh, over the next sixteen weeks. Is that how it works? Sixteen divisions. Yep. Sixteen. So, yeah. 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 Yep. That'll put us right about start of the season or something like yep, that. Exactly. No. Yeah. That makes sense. Does that make sense? July. August. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, eight. How many divisions are there? Eight. Eight. There's eight. eight divisions. Yeah. <laughs> cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> I'm gonna cut that part out too. Um, you guys are hearing here. You're gonna hear all of it. It's fine. Oh boy. Um, but yeah. Okay. Over the next eight weeks, we'll, we'll be going over all the divisions, uh, hit every position, kind of just doing like a little bit of a dive on every single team in the NFL, moving towards the start of the season. Obviously, if things change, you're gonna hear about it, right? And and like we're gonna have this news and notes section, you know, early on in the podcast. 
We'll hit those and then we'll go straight into the into the teams and who we're aiming for, who we're not aiming for, whose prices are too high, et cetera. Who, you know, any sleepers to look out for, that sort of thing. So um, thank you guys for joining us. Um, Joe, what's going on, man? How's everything? Um, well, I, I made some mac and cheese with chicken and I, I I dropped the whole piece of chicken in the middle of oil because I'm just that smart. And now my hands are covered in burns. Um, oh no, that happened today? Like 20 minutes ago. Oh no, are you gonna be all right? Or no, earlier. Than that. Yeah, I'll survive. I'll survive. Okay, cool, so. cool. You sure you want to put some ice on it or something? I did. I did. It's you fine. did. You did. All right. All right. You're good. You're good. Okay. Cool. Show goes on. Um, uh, right. All right. <laughs> the show must go on, <laughs> as 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 Lupe Fiasco would say. Or no, that's not him. That was the other guy on, on his song. Um, I, I made that, some. I made some. <laughs> I made some jerk salmon today, um, on the grill. Yeah. Which was, absolutely delicious for dinner yeah it sounds um, good i don't I'm like jerk or salmon but that sounds i'm good. going on a little bit of a health kick you know over the past couple of weeks like i'm trying to get my protein up i'm trying to get my gains okay um so that's what i'm i'm doing and like i had to you know i have a, i have a huge sweet tooth i don't know about you but i have a huge sweet tooth like it's been dude i have no, no sweet tooth really no oh, wow. I, don't, I don't have any sugar i don't like chocolate i never drink soda um and i'm wow. still fat like i don't <laughs> <laughs> you know what man like if you don't like sweets if you don't like chocolate like we're gonna have to rethink this partnership um we're gonna have to get a third person on here or something because i'm like a chocolate nut um chocolate nut peanut butter um how you know, many candies I, I'm, not, I'm not like a candy guy you know what's funny about that i haven't had like any cavities my whole life up until uh i think i got my first two fillings like three weeks ago or, or a month ago something like no that. way it's also because i've been avoiding dentists for like years um yeah. but that's not, but you know what it was when i was a kid i wasn't like a candy guy i wasn't a candy kid you know what i mean like i wasn't sure. eating candy it was more it was always like chocolate and cookies and apparently according to my dentist because i asked her the same thing i said hey like why haven't i got any cavities? she's like oh well what have you been eating i was like chocolate and uh and you know and, and brownies and like cookies and stuff like that it's like well that's not really what does it's more the sticky stuff like the candy and the gummies and that mm. sort of stuff so like and the sour straws and that sort of stuff, um, which yeah, you I guys are learning. Learn. You get some extra value on this podcast. <laughs> but my kids, but my kids, oh, though, no. they love, love that candy. They love it. So it's like, oh, they're definitely going to actually, they already had some cavities and they're like, they're like three and five. So <laughs> 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 go, go figure. Um, uh, but yeah. Okay. So I don't know how we got here. Um, but anyway, so what I was going to, what I was going to say was that like sure. I had to hit, I had to put a, I had to get a Greek yogurt, put some blueberries in it. Like that was my dessert. And I was just like, uh, I was looking at it and I was plain, eating it and it was plain Greek yogurt, plain Greek yogurt. Okay. Oh, um, that's the worst. It tastes like, just like a, with, with a ton of, ton of blueberries in it. So it was okay. But like, I was looking at it and I was eating it. I was like, is this what my life has become? Has my life become Greek yogurt? So, but apparently the answer is yes for now, for now. So. we'll see if i have no if i have no gains in like a week and a half like that's it it's over um okay anyway let's get back to football anyway. <laughs> um i, w- I want to hit up just a couple pieces of like you know l- little news and notes around the league before we hit up the afc east today we're gonna hit the jets the patriots the dolphins and the bills um i want to talk about t higgins uh because he's being talked up right now he's being talked up by both his offensive coordinator brian callahan and joe burrow obviously you know, Joe Burrow is going to say good things about his receivers. Uh, but he did say that, like, you know, he's coming in. He's looking much better. Um, and, you know, 
Joe Burrow, even though he's coming off the ACL, apparently like he's slinging it. You know, he, he's, he's working on that downfield accuracy. He's got stronger. Um, but his, his offensive coordinator said that he's more uh, talking about Higgins. Now he said that he is more explosive this year. And that's something that he noticed. Now I was already high on Higgins this year. Um, and, and I think he's in that sweet spot in terms of ADP. Like he's right yeah. after guys like Deontay Johnson, Brandon Ayuk. Like Higgins is right there, like around six round ADP, um, about a round behind Jamar Chase. Like I'm personally not drafting Chase in his year one in the fifth round. Like if someone like Deontay Johnson is available, like I'd rather have Deontay Johnson. Uh, but Higgins, like for me, he's like a nice consolation after these guys are off the board. Um, and like, listen, remember, like this is a pass heavy offense. Yeah. Right with Joe Burrow, there's a lot of opportunity to go around. Um, and as far as Higgins goes, like I think he's a pretty good receiver. Like he was 30 yards per route Absolutely. run among all rookies last year, with, who had more than 50 targets. Um, only behind Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool. So, uh, and with Burrow, he was at two 2.0 yards per route run, which is actually a great threshold that has been correlated to future success as a fantasy wide receiver. So, um, I'm like, I'm in on him. And, <laughs> yeah, it sounds and, like and, it. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess what, guys? After all that, I am in on him. But it, it, for me, like, if it, his price has to stay, like, right there, like, in mm-hmm. the sixth round after these guys. I don't think it's going to go higher. I don't think it's going to go higher because, you know what? All it takes is, one, Jamar Chase is looking amazing at practice. And then all of a sudden, ah, Chase and then T. Higgins. And, but I would be extremely surprised if all three of Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, and Jamar Chase didn't see over 100 targets. Yeah, and I think you did some projections too, right, on your end. And, and, and that's kind of what, what you put together as well, right? Yeah, I mean, I can even pull it up real quick. I have it open yes. already. I, I, I mean, projections are very rough. I'm not, like, going yeah. too deep into well, it right now. But well, we, have uh, to remember, we, have, we have to remember that, like, they were second in the NFL in a pass attempts per game when Joe Burrow, before Joe Burrow got exactly. hurt. So there's a lot to go around here. Yeah, so as of right now, I've got Chase Mark up for 137 targets tyler boyd for 112 t higgins for 108 um that's just assuming jamar chase comes in and immediately takes over that wide receiver one spot as joe burrow's favorite and that's not necessarily going to be the case but regardless like even with all of that i put joe mixon to 74 targets i have drew sample at 66 like there's so many so many targets to go around that for for them to not all get 100 it would be mind-blowing yeah and I honestly think that there is a world where T Higgins leads the Bengals in targets this year. Absolutely. Guys I think there's a world for any of these guys. I think Tyler Boyd, especially in the yeah. slot too. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, no, hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, there's, there's a world where any of these guys can lead the team in targets and I'd rather, and I'm willing to take these guys because of that upside of the offense of the quarterback and of the fact that um, they can potentially lead their team in targets. So um, I'm all about it. Okay. Uh, moving on. Matt Nagy is holding firm that Andy Dalton will be the Bears starting quarterback week one, and he continues to stick to that. Week two, Justin Fields. Really hard. (laughs) Week two, Justin Fields. Now, I think this is a situation where he promised Andy Dalton the starting job when he signed him. Mm -hmm. Um, He doesn't want to go back on his promise uh, because that's what Dalton said also. like I don't know if you remember this, but Dalton said like he was promised the job. So, you know, it'll probably take some bad play or some losses for Fields to come in. And and, and I think – 
this is good yeah. for fields in terms of fantasy because like this is going to help us get him on waivers potentially and he doesn't need to be drafted late like you don't need to draft him because someone's going to drop him if someone does draft him someone's going to drop him week two week three that sort of thing and you can pick him up unless it's like a two quarterback or fl- you know super flex yeah whatever. they'll probably um, hold tight oh, yeah. but for sure for sure in the super flex he'll be a third quarterback drafted for sure. Um, but yeah, no, I think in a regular quarterback, one quarterback league, I think he will likely be picked up on waivers uh, after a few weeks of the season. Absolutely. Um, this was hilarious, man. With the departure of Kyle Rudolph, right? Many were hoping that Irv Smith is going to break out, right? He, here's what Mike Zimmer had to say about that. And I have Mike Zimmer here. He, he's coming in right now. Oh, there he is. Honestly, I don't think it's any bigger role for him whatsoever. I think it's a bigger role for Tyler Conklin. He's kind of emerged as a guy that's moving upward. Is that Thank a you. Mike Zimmer impersonation? I don't know who that was, but that was my Mike Zimmer impression. <laughs> I mean, dude, that's not a great endorsement of your young tight end, dude. Like that is. To and me, it's, it's true. I did just watch Mike Zimmer say it too. And it's like, <laughs> exactly. So what do you, what do you like make of that? Do you really think that like, well, for me, I I wasn't really in on Irv Smith, like like a lot of other people are. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't mind him as a late round grab, but at the same time, I wasn't expecting the world from him. I understand that he was like the the number that keeps getting thrown out there is like, oh, he was the tight end three during Kyle, while Kyle Rudolph was out, but like look at how many fantasy points he scored. It wasn't that many. Um, uh, but like, and with all these other tight ends healthy, if more tight ends emerge, you know, it, it's not too exciting for me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, Zimmer kind of used the tight end group as a uh, as a duo, right? Like he kind of sees like Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith sharing that role. Um, that being said, Irv Smith clearly the better and more dynamic player, and at least in this scenario, he will be the one A as opposed to the one B. So yeah, I mean, definitely don't expect Irv Smith to be this consistent, you know, but he still has huge uh, week to week upside. So um, definitely worth drafting late, but again, he's not going to fall in that top five to top 10 tight end range. Right. Right. Okay. Let's move on, man. Um, We're going to hit up the jets first, uh, hit up the jets and the Patriots and the dolphins and the bills. Um, And by the way, I'll I'll have the timestamps. Uh, in the podcast so if you want to skip around if you don't care about the jets you can skip right to the patriots right to the bills right to the dolphins um just just look at that in you know in the podcast notes you'll see it um let's hit the jets man so this is like a brand new offense like overall from top to bottom pretty much right this is not the same old jets yep. hopefully it's not the same old jets right they got brand new <laughs> offensive coordinator head coach um play caller all of that Right, Adam Gase is gone. Sam Darnold is gone. They bring in Zach Wilson, um, who apparently he's looking decent in camp. You know what I mean? Nothing, no red flags. He's doing what he's asked to do. Um, I don't think this is the type of organization right now, at least that like, you know, these coaches are not going to be talking bad about the players. Like, you know, this head coach is very, very positive person. Um, so you're not really, really going to hear too much negative I've talk met him. from him. I've met him. Yeah, He's that's great. right. You met him a couple weeks ago. Uh, where was he? What was he doing? So I don't want to out what him and what, what was going on, but uh, exactly where. But 
it was uh my girlfriend's brother plays he was at the strip club guys he was at the strip club (laughs) (laughs) no (laughs) he was not no my my girlfriend's brother plays like soccer with this you know with the sports company and i guess his kids were also playing flag football with the same company so I'm, i'm walking by watching his game and i see this bald dude just like sitting in the corner with like shades on trying to like you know do his own thing and uh i'm like i'll be damned if that's not rob Sala. like i'll be that there's no way it's not so you know i walk by and i give him a good luck this season coach the deepest voice thank you very much very <laughs> deep voice very surprised by that but um you know he, he's apparently he only showed up once <laughs> so i guess i caught oh, him on the right day because you were there the next week he's like damn it i was outed i was outed <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but no okay. st- still very cool to like you know just run into a guy like that that's never really happened to me i know other people have run-ins with players and coaches or whatever but that rarely ever happens to me so yeah. that's pretty cool no i mean that, that is cool and he, he seems like a pretty cool dude too um but very intimidating but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know moving on moving back to zach wilson i feel like um he is somebody that is a little bit under the radar when it comes to fantasy um yeah. you know everyone's all about justin fields and trey lance um but i i feel like um He's, you know, what he reminds me of, like his ceiling to me in his rookie year kind of reminds me of a Russell Wilson type ceiling where, you know, he can, uh, you know, he can sling it, obviously, but he can also, he's not like a, a rushing quarterback, but he can definitely scramble, right? He's an athletic kid. Um, so, you know, get, getting like 400 yards or so on the ground, something like that is not out of the question, right? Um, look at what Justin Herbert did as a rookie last year, you know, something like that is, is, in the cards like it's not a guarantee it's not this is not me thinking that you know zach wilson will be that guy but you know it's in the cards like i I would say that you have to keep him in the back of your mind he's probably not going to be drafted in most one quarterback leaves leagues and redraft um but at the same time you got to keep an eye on him in week one because if he looks good he's going to be one of the main guys being picked up on waivers uh that week so if you have an extra roster spot and like you drafted a quarterback late you might want to just have him at the back of your roster just in case he blows up week one. Absolutely. And I think the thing with Zach Wilson too is people got to forget, like obviously Trevor Lawrence playing all 17 games. Uh, Trey Lance probably, you know, definitely in that like 13 to 15, 16, 17. He should be playing 17 games. I wouldn't be surprised if they give Jimmy Garoppolo like a nod the first week or two. Um, and as we know, Justin Fields definitely not playing the first week. With Zach Wilson, we know he's going to be playing 17 games. So that's already a bonus that the rookie is going to be in for the entire season. I think um, it, it's going to boil down to the offensive line. If they can give Zach Wilson the time and make it so he doesn't see ghosts early in his career, I think Zach Wilson has a really good chance of showing up. And um, as him and Elijah Moore, which we'll talk about soon, start to hit their stride, I think Zach Wilson, I think second half of the year, Zach Wilson is going to be talked about as a top 10, top 15 quarterback. It's very possible. And, you know, that's with rookie quarterbacks too. That tends to be how it goes, right? Like usually in the first half, they're like kind of getting into their role. But that last stretch of games, it's like, damn, these rookie quarterbacks are really heating up. Like Justin Herbert heated up in the last portion of the year. Um, I remember a few years ago. Well, yeah, that just kind of tends to be the trend, right? Rookie quarterbacks second half of the year tend to do very well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, it's one of those situations where, like, if you want, like, even if he performs week one, um, it's not like people are going to be going crazy to get him 
you know, yeah. on waivers, right? There's going to be a lot of skill positions, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends who go off week one that people will prioritize. So you're not going to have Sammy to like Watkins. spend <laughs> Sammy Watkins. You're not going to have a ton of, um, you're not going to have to spend a ton of fab, you know, in one quarterback leagues to get him. I mean, two quarterback leagues, he'll be rostered, um, but you, you, won't, you won't have to go crazy to get him. So, you know, have him on the back of your roster. If you drafted a quarterback super late and you're not confident, if not, just leave him on the wire, pick him up, uh, you know, right before week two. Um, and, and the thing with him right now is like, we're going to get into his weapons, but his weapons aren't that bad. He's in a situation in a system where quarterbacks can succeed. Look what Kyle Shanahan has done with random quarterbacks uh, during his tenure. Um, and with good quarterbacks, he's done his thing as well. So like, he's in a good spot. Um, he's in a good good place to succeed. He has weapons and we'll get into them. Uh, first, let's and also... Yeah, just for a little background too, I know you mentioned Kyle Shanahan. If anybody's confused by that, it's because obviously Robert Sala, Mike LaFleur coming from the San Francisco 49ers realm. Yes. And, and LaFleur was, I just, you know, yep. No, thank you for yeah. that. And LaFleur was Shanahan's passing game coordinator. Right hand uh, man. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's a good situation. Also brother of Matt LaFleur. Yep. In case, Head you, in, in case you didn't make that connection yet. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that left side of the line, hopefully, like going back to the protection that you were talking about, should be okay. They got they drafted Elijah Vera Tucker early. They traded Mekhi off to Becton. get him. Um, the, obviously, Makai Becton, you know, is 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 the man. So that left side is looking okay, assuming that Vera Tucker, you know, does his thing as a rookie. But he, you know, he seems relatively pro ready. Um, and then you know, you have a couple of fill-ins on on the rest of the line, but it's it seems to be better than it was last year. So that that's Absolutely. the whole. Um, and you'd be surprised okay. how much one guy can make a difference. I mean, remember what Quentin yes, Nelson yes. did for that Colts offensive line? Yes. Not yeah, that 100%. he's Quentin Nelson, but I'm just saying. And, and, and Vera Tucker is somebody who is very versatile. That's why the Jets drafted him, and he can play exactly. it in any spot on the line. So, you know, if there is a weak spot, they might move him around, you know? So that's that's something to look yeah. out for. Could play tackle. Uh, yeah. Moving on to running back, there's a bunch of running backs on this team. Um, you had Ty Johnson. You had uh, LaMichael Pirine. You also had um, John Josh uh, Josh Adams. Josh Adams, Josh Adams. Who at this point is irrelevant with other additions, but yeah. Well, you know what? Like, to, like he is going to he he might be somebody like to look out for just just because the reason why I say that is because look at the 49ers backfield, right? Like you never know whoever's yeah, sure. on this roster. You whoever's on the roster, you just have to pay attention and look at, and you have to pay attention to the pecking order as well, uh, but. Michael Carter, he seems to be the truth right now so far. In OTAs, he's, he's already running with the ones. He's running with the ones. He is playing very well. He's extremely impressive, according to beat reporters. Um, the two most important—it's funny—the two most impressive players in camp so far on OTAs have been two rookies, Michael yep. Carter and Elijah Moore. So that tells you what you need to know about Michael Carter. Now, is it going to be a workhorse? No, but at this point, if he's already you know leading this backfield he can easily see 15 touches a game, whether it's, you know, nine to 10 carries a game, five to six catches a game, that sort of thing. I mean, if you saw his one-handed catch today, you'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like this guy's a pass catcher. And if you saw him in college, you know, he, he, he was near the top of uh, college ranks in yards per route run. He, he's a very good pass catcher, very elusive. So he's somebody who, you know, he doesn't need to see 20 touches a game in order for him to be an RB2 in PPR leagues. So, He's somebody right now going in the back half of the eighth round, potentially falls to the ninth round in 12-team PPR leagues. 
he's somebody you have to look out for. And if you're, you're either zero running back strategy, he's definitely a target, but also just running back depth. He's somebody I'll definitely be grabbing. Um, Absolutely. I, I, want the, I want the hype to kind of like slow down a little bit so his price doesn't move up. Um, but a lot of people believe that because he can't be a workhorse, because he's a scat back, quote unquote, that you know people won't be drafting him too high. Depending on the position you're in, I would draft Michael Carter as soon as a seventh round. Yep. You know, like he's, he's, you know, six round even depending. I mean, if you think about how early running backs go, uh, we started the throne league pretty recently and it wasn't until the 11th pick in the first round where the first wide receiver was taken. Yep. And that's nuts. And then the second round, there's a ton of, I mean, we're at the point where Michael Thomas is falling to the middle of the third round, which should not be happening, but there's just so many running backs being taken early. And even so, there's still running backs available in the fourth and the fifth round that I consider sixth round that aren't bad, like Chase Edmonds. I'd be fine. But, you know, so Michael Carter at the end of the sixth, beginning of the seventh, I think that's a fine price to pay for him. At that point, it's just grab the guy you want. Um, as you mentioned, He's not going to be workhorse. It's going to be some sort of a committee, uh, whether it's Coleman in that committee, whether it's P Ryan or Ty Johnson or Josh Adams, whoever it may be. Uh, Carter seems to be pretty firm in that one a spot and you don't have to pay a huge price for him. So definitely yeah, it, love Carter as a value this year. It's possible that there's some sort of one, a one B between Carter and um, Coleman, maybe Coleman and Carter. It yeah. could be, uh, I think, I think the next guy to watch out for is Ty Johnson. Um, yeah. Cause Ty Johnson's like, he fits this offense relatively well too. So uh, just pay attention to his name. He's, he's also like a late round guy that you want to, you might want to pick up just in case there's some, it's possible that this backfield is still, uh, it's a little arbitrary backfield, right? Even when mm -hmm. it's time to start week one, you kind of don't know who these guys will be. Um, so it's worth taking a shot on these type of guys later on because of that run scheme. Yeah. That, that the run game coordinator uh, came over from San Francisco as well, and the offensive yeah. line coach came from over there as well. So this is basically the, the, the this is basically the New York 49ers, pretty much on offense <laughs> and defense. Actually. And just to add on top of that too, like about Ty Johnson, if Michael Carter were to get hurt and everybody's like scrambling like for the next guy behind him, easily Ty Johnson would be my pick. It would not yep. be Devin Coleman. I think Ty yep. Johnson is the most capable back behind Carter to come in and take pass catching and groundwork. So, well, we know what Ty, no, we know no. what Devin Coleman could do in the 49ers offense, actually having Kyle Shanahan there, right? And then on top of that, having that amazing offensive line to run behind. Yeah. And Kyle Juszczyk. So, yep. he, if he couldn't get it done over there in a big way, then, you know, I'm not sold that he's going to be able to get it done in New York. Yeah. Okay, moving on to wide receivers, man. Like, listen, Elijah Moore, um, this guy is, is making play after play in OTAs and minicamp. Um, he's one of those guys I'm going to find a way to have on my roster, regardless of the fact that Jamison Crowder is staying on the team, by the way. He yeah. took a pay cut. I don't know how Joe Douglas does it. I mean, he's been he's been amazing. He's been great. Has been G as GM, you know, over the past several seasons. So, um, now... Now, because like, Moore is actually capable of playing on the outside, despite his size, and with Crowder off the field in OTAs, um, they actually put Braxton Berrios in the slot and put Moore on the outside opposite Keelan Cole. Um, and the only reason why Keelan Cole's out there because Corey Davis was done for the day because, you know, he's limited right now. Um, yeah. And then you look at Denzel Mims, by the way, like he's, he's not team. off. 
yeah, he's not off to a good start. He, went, he is coming off a little bit of an injury, but still, like, there are some rumblings about him not fitting into the offense. But, listen, there's a lot more camp to go. We're going to monitor that situation. But it's worth figuring that out. Keelan Cole flashed heavy his rookie year. Um, so, you know, it's possible that maybe in the right scheme he could do some things. Uh, but still, yeah. like, Elijah Moore is somebody that um, can shine no matter what. I think they're going to find ways to, to, to get him on the field. Um, despite Jameson Crowder being there too. And, and it's possible that Jameson Crowder and Elijah Moore will be on the field at the same time with more playing outside. Very possible. Yeah, and I, I think that kind of goes to show like how much they're really trying to replicate this San Francisco 49ers offense. Because when I think of like Corey Davis and um, and Elijah Moore, I think of like hybrid slot guys. I know Corey Davis primarily played on the outside, but he's shown to be very capable as a slot receiver as well. Elijah Moore coming in, you know, our thought was, oh, he's a slot guy, but he's also capable of playing on the outside. Denzel Mims, so much more of just a stick him on the outside, let him run deep. He's got a huge catch radius. You know, he'll, he'll come down with the ball. Uh, and you look at the 49ers. I mean, what have they done with their wide receiver position? Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, both very, very versatile guys, slot, outside, whatever you need. So, um, yeah, in terms of fit, I definitely understand Denzel Mims kind of being the odd guy out. Um, Corey Davis right now a little banged up, but... Yeah, I mean, which wide receiver are you drafting first now? Because I feel like every single time our answer is going to change a little bit. Uh, it was Corey Davis for me. I'm starting to lean yeah. more towards Elijah Moore. Yeah, I mean, listen, it depends on their prices, right? Let's yeah. look at their prices right now, okay? Um, let's look at it. Corey Davis right now, um, late, 11th round in 12-team drafts, okay? Um, I'm yeah, oh, yeah, that's a good deal because you can, he can potentially be the number one. Where's Elijah right? Moore going? Um, Elijah Moore, I think, is going uh, – Elijah Moore's going super late. He's going very late in drafts. Um, so that, that's wow. what, you, what you need to know. Um, Elijah Moore, definitely somebody that – listen, guys, you got if he's going in the teens, 13th, 14th, 15th round, like you got to draft this guy. Easy. Like, like right now he's, he's going super late. I understand like a lot of people are going to be like, well – they have such a crowded room. They got Keelan Cole. They got Denzel Mims. They got, you know, Corey Davis. You got Jameson Crowder. I get it. But Elijah Moore is shaping up to be a baller, okay? Do you guys remember Odell Beckham Jr., his rookie year? Do you guys remember what happened? He was killing it in camp, okay? Giants fans knew the deal, okay? Um, they had other guys on that team. And then all of a sudden, and, and he was hurt the first couple of weeks. I think he had like an an- ankle injury or something like that. And yeah. then he comes back after a few weeks and he just tears the league apart. Um, so you don't want to miss out on that upside, especially if you get guys like that for free, potentially. And you take that shot for free. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Um, and those are definitely two great targets. Yeah. Um, the last guy feels like we got to talk about here, uh, Chris Herndon. Yes, yes. Right now running with the second team, right next yes. to Denzel Mims. Um, you know, they got Tyler Crofts running with the first team, though. So I think this is more of maybe it could be a learning situation. Maybe Chris Herndon, Herndon kind of has to earn his way back into the offense, especially after last year. So we'll see. I, I still believe in the talent. I'm going to cool off a little bit on the sleeper talk until I see him at least back with the first team. <laughs> right. But exactly. uh, just remember this time last year, he was being hyped up as their best offensive weapon. So we'll yeah, see. he's somebody to. to to pay attention to like last week he, he had a big drop 
in, in OTAs that resulted in the interception. So uh, that's probably one of the reasons why he got demoted a little bit. So we'll see. Maybe he can wake, work his way back, but he he's probably going to have to do more and, and show out a little bit in order for that to happen. Uh, but it's good to make to send him a message because after his rookie season, it just went downhill from there. Like at the end of the, at one point, at some point, you got to say like, hey, you got to give him the responsibility and not blame everything on guys like Adam Gase, right? Um, <laughs> like like Le'Veon's over here blaming uh, <laughs> blaming one of the best coaches ever in football history, and all the and every player is coming to Andy Reid's defense. Like, dude, get out of here. Um, yep. But anyway, it's funny. Um, okay. Okay. So. I think we, we hit the Jets. Let's go to the Patriots. Um, now, Cam Newton, you know, obviously started, you know, OTAs as the guy. Uh, he had a little bit of a hand injury, but was still working his way through it. Um, had a rough day the other day. It was raining and all that. It's fine. But um, but apparently, you know. Tides have turned. The tides have turned a little bit. And the rookie has come in, and, and he actually got more snaps today and got more throws in than Cam Newton with the first team. What do you think of that? Well, at the same time, Mac also played significantly worse and Cam played significantly better. So this was Cam's first, I believe it was first practice back from injury. So it, the lessened workload makes more sense. And even so, Cam was coming in, he was slinging it. He had his best day yet. And Mac Jones had his worst day yet. So, uh, you know, it, it's completely flip-flop here. Um, tomorrow, it could be Cam Newton looks awful, Mac Jones looks good, and then next week, we're, we're never going to know. Um, from what I know, Cam Newton is going to be the week one starter pretty easily. Uh, how how long he holds under that starting role, who knows? But um, I, I think Cam Newton is going to start week one, and unless he starts doing really bad, I, I think Bill's going to stick to his guns and just, it, it, let's say theoretically if Cam Newton comes in, and he does a good job. I, I I see a situation where Cam Newton plays 17 games. Like I think they want to get Mac on the field as soon as they can. But at the same time, like Bill just wants something that works, right? If Cam Newton's working, he's not going to pull him just to get Mac to work. It's not going to be a yeah, two well totally. Ryan Fitzpatrick situation like last year. You know what I mean? It's going to be if yeah. if what Cam Newton is doing is working, he's going to keep Cam Newton and he just wants to win. With that yeah. being said this would be such a bill move if cam did so good to get an extension after this year that's also a possibility imagine if cam takes him to the playoffs and takes him to like the second round of the playoffs and he had a decent year i would not put it past bill belichick to give him an extension because the patriots first of all they did not trade up for mac jones right they didn't have to waste extra draft capital on getting mac jones at the same time doesn't mean mac jones can't never start right um I don't think I don't that Bill, I don't think Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick has a very short memory when it comes to like draft capital. Right? Exactly, like he 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 doesn't care. Like, I mean, there has been definitely some bad early draft picks over the past several years, mm-hmm. um, and it's possible that Mike Jones ends up sitting for a little while. Like, it doesn't even have to be year two for him. Now, I, I wouldn't like I said like and like you said. I wouldn't put it past that him to, to do that because if Cam does have a good year, he can come back for another one-year deal. <laughs> it's very possible too. Um, so yeah, maybe like a two-year deal with like a one-year cutoff or something like that. But um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I'm, I wouldn't be surprised. Now, the Patriots are playing against Miami week one at home. Are you putting Cam in your top 12 week one? 
potentially. Yeah, I think he yeah. deserves to be in that spot. As long as Cam is starting, um, he's going to start – as long as he's starting the year healthy, right? Because yes. that's been an issue with Cam. It's a finger, it's a toe, it's a whatever. Right. If he's going into game one – <laughs> if he's going into week one healthy – then I'm buying in on Cam for right. at least he'll be a good DFS pick or you know a good redraft start. Appar- uh, apparently, like he really picked up the play- picked up the playbook. I mean, this is a very complicated system, right? And he got he got a whole year in that in that system. So now, like him coming into year two, knowing a lot more than he did last in last year, like he's he's doing his thing. He was actually on a, on um, the I'm Athlete podcast. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's with Brandon Marshall, Ocho Cinco, Fred Taylor. Um, it's a great, great YouTube podcast. And like, okay. I think they actually put the podcast. It's so good, dude. Like it's um, very entertaining and a lot of insight into a lot of like, you know, the NFL stuff. And, you know, obviously Brandon Marshall, Ocho Cinco, Fred, like there's, there's just interesting. That's just entertaining there. by itself. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but uh, he was on there. Uh, I think several, this was, he was on there before he signed back with the Patriots. Uh, and he was talking about how complicated the system was. And he was talking about the fact that he did not know the whole system last year. They threw the whole playbook at him, which is what he wanted. He wanted that. Um, and he, he, he loved Belichick and he just, he liked it a lot. And he, w- he wasn't, you know, talking shit or anything. It was just the opposite. Um, uh, but he basically said that he would love to go back. Uh, they asked him in the show, like, Hey, like, are you talking to the Patriots potentially? He's like, I can't tell you that, you know? Um, but uh, but so you can tell like it was kind of in the works or whatever. Uh, but at the same time, like you know, he said that hey, like you know, I didn't get the whole thing. Like he said, if I go back year two, it'll be night and day. That's what he said because just he had, he was very uh, uh, adamant of the fact that like you know he didn't understand the whole playbook in year one. So that's good to know. That's a, that's a yeah. little bit of insight there. I think another thing too, you look at Cam's situation last year. No receivers. Terrible. Offensive line banged up no defense running back room was a mess. He yeah. had COVID. He was banged up his first year after taking a whole year off learning a, one of the toughest playbooks in the league in an offense that is used to running with the guy who averages 12 yards a year. Like this is just like everything t- completely flip-flopped, you yeah. know, and now he goes into this year. He knows the playbook. The offensive line is looking healthy and strong. The defense is looking great. Um, they added two tight hey, ends. They added Nelson Aguilar, I, which isn't a whole lot, but it's still no, a huge good. improvement over what they had last year. So yeah, and not just two tight ends. They got they got Jano Smith and Hunter Henry, like two of the best tight ends yeah. in the league. And then two, um, surprised everyone, but yeah, their offensive line is one of the best in the league as well. You know, they're like yeah. probably top top five maybe offensive line in the league. So and they re-signed David Andrews. They got Trent Brown right back yep. at right tackle. They, they got exactly all around great. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Uh, moving on to moving on to the running back situation. Listen, man, Ramondre Stevenson. I remember us talking about this. We did talk okay? about Ramondre Stevenson, and and I was high on him. Like I think I had him ranked as like my fifth best running back, sixth best running back overall in this class. Whereas you know he was really being overlooked, and obviously he did. When was when did they draft him? Sixth round, seventh round? Uh, Something like that. It was earlier than that, dude. It was third or fourth. Oh, no, it was not. Yeah, dude. Ramondre Stevenson. When did he get drafted? Let's see. He was being drafted. He got drafted in the. Oh yeah, you're right. Fourth round. Oh, okay, okay. I, I, I for some reason I thought he was drafted much later. Okay, fourth round. Um, so he's somebody apparently who is more versatile than a lot of people think. Um, he's catching passes in OTAs. Big um, dude. He's doing his thing. He's a big guy. <clears throat> and he's I always like how the Garrett Blunt comparisons right now. 
Yeah, and I always liked how he ran. Like he ran a lot lighter than what he looked, and a lot lighter than his size. Um, so I, I, I was always like, um, I was kind of intrigued. The only thing with him in college, like he didn't have that much of a workload. You didn't really get to see too much of him. But um, that could be a good thing, you know, coming into coming into the league. But this is as of right now, Damian Harris is the guy. He's the one A. Actually, there probably is no guy right now, but he's the one A. Um, third downs, passing downs, still James White, right? Um, I don't know. You don't know? I don't know because I feel like James White is – when he's on the field, you know why he's on the field, right? And I feel like with Cam, like he didn't really fit with what Cam wanted to do. When you have a back out there who can be amazing on the ground, not that James White can't. Like he's not a great ground runner, but his his main thing is pass catching. Damian Harris, he, he's a capable pass catcher. And Bill Belichick even said he's extremely versatile. Uh, we can use him in a ton of different ways, and we have different ways of getting him touches and looks into this offense. So what that to me tells me is that when Cam's out there, it, it's so much benef- more beneficial to have Damian Harris and have that, you know, like the RPO option or, um, you know, do a screen or whatever, as opposed to James White, because when James White is out there, you know what's going to happen. You know he's going to line up as a receiver. I think when, when it comes down to, like, two-minute drills and whatever, they need pass catchers out there, James White will be there. That's fine. But when it comes down to just, like, normal game script, which is what they're going to be in for most of the yeah, time well, with that I, defense, I'm, I'm you know what I mean? Talking about, I'm mostly talking about third downs. You know, passing downs and that that sort of thing. Like, if if you're in a third and eight situation, that's still a passing situation. Yeah, but you know, you know they're I, gonna have they're gonna have James White out there if he's healthy. I think it'll be split. I I, I call me crazy. I think Damian Damian Harris is gonna see some of that passing. So I'm not well. I'm not saying that Damian Harris isn't capable. Like I've been saying that he was capable of being a three. No, he's definitely for a capable. Time. Yeah. Um, but like I just don't know that Bill Belichick thinks or like wants to do that. You know, they they signed sure. James White back for a reason. Um, and I, there was a point where I was curious to know if he was going to go back or not. You know what I mean? Um, but they, they got him back, and um, I think that's how he's going to be used. Maybe they'll use him less there. It's very possible. Um, but out of all these guys, would you say that Sony Michelle, probably the guy who might not make the team? He, he might not make the team. You know, for, for them, it's a cost-benefit thing. You know what I mean? Like, if he's not under a huge contract if he's not owed a ton of money and he's still like a capable backup there's no point in cutting him but if if, if it's uh, a matter of we need like stevenson or him or brandon like brandon bolden he's James still there white damien harris Roger stevenson all gonna get priority over him exactly right so that's exactly. four backs already on the team and if you're wondering why brandon bolden gets priority because because he's like one of their best special team players special team player um, he's not a bad running back either. I remember with Miami, he he opted out last year, but I remember with Miami, he had this big game against New England. Um, but they just like him, you know. He's like one of those guys who've just been like Matthew Slater. Like Matthew Slater's been with the team forever. It's just this technically wide receiver, but he's mainly a special teams guy. So yeah, um, yeah, all those guys have priority over Damian Harris when it comes to staying on the roster. So yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, priority to Sony Michelle when it comes to staying on the roster. So yeah, Sony Michelle might be in the roster bubble. Yeah, very possible. Okay, so, but I'll say this. Damian Harris, still a value. Okay, Damian Harris. Damian Harris, right now, he is going in the ninth round. So, again, another guy, you know, Michael Carter first over him for me. But Damian Harris, after that, like, he's one of the guys I'll be aiming for just to get that depth. And then with that depth comes high potential, right? So, like, you hope that, 
you want to get have those like ticking time bombs at the end of your bench. I don't know what I'm doing here. Am I am I? <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. But like, if you're if you have running backs on the bottom of your roster, they're just ticking time bombs to the point where like they can get an opportunity. That's what you want. Those are the type of guys that you want, not guys who are just like never going to get a big role, right? Um, who you think might at some point. You got you got to be very careful with that. Be yeah, strategic and, with who you have. And Damian Harris on your bench is a guy who, if you got the right matchup, he's playable. You know what I mean? Like if he's yes. getting 10, 15 a, carries, like he's, he's shown that he could take that for a hundred yards at a touchdown. He he was on a good roll of getting a hundred yeah. yard games. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. I mean he's like he's a touchdown dependent guy, but like it doesn't mean that he's not a flex worthy option. That you're Absolutely. getting in the ninth round in 12 team PPR leagues. He's not going to catch, he's, I don't think he's going to catch a bunch of passes this year, but it's okay. Like he'll get you 15 to 20 carries some games and uh, he'll be their primary goal line back, uh, you know, outside of Cam Newton. Um, but yeah, but Ramondre Stevenson, he's a guy that you want to have at the end of your bench as well, assuming that he continues to do well in camp um, at the very end of the year. Like, you know, you kind of like see like what he can do. So you put him on the end of your bench as well. He's probably not being drafted. I'm assuming. Um, and I, I honestly, Andre, I don't really think he shouldn't. Like, I'm a big believer in Damien Harris. I, I don't think, unless Harris gets hurt, I yeah, don't think Ramondre Stevenson is going to come in. So I don't think he's really worth drafting even at the very tail end. Exactly. No, well, that's the scenario. So so he's one of those guys that you want to pay attention to in terms of, like, picking up before Patriots game. Pa- Patriots sure. play on a Thursday night. Um, you pick him up on Wednesday, put him at the end of your bench just in case anything happens to Damien Harris. You potentially have somebody who can come in and, and maybe, you know, pull away with a job or like if Damien Harris is out for a long period of time, you have a starting running back who can True. potentially pop off. Right. And if those running backs have have opportunity, they pop off. There's always a potential of them keeping the, those type of jobs. So he, he's somebody that everyone should pay attention to um, because besides like, you know, James White, and if Sony Michelle gets cut, then, you know, you're looking at a very concentrated backfield uh, after that point. Um, Can't get so JJ Taylor either, who they like, five foot six dude, they really like. Yeah, good, very good pass catcher. Um, So let's move on to the wide receivers. So I want to talk about wide receivers uh, for the Patriots. Now, there isn't too many, you know, big names here. You mentioned Nelson Aguilar, but there's somebody else who you like later in drafts, who you yeah. think is a value uh, because he could be the number one wide receiver. Definitely worth drafting the tail end of your draft. Um, Jacoby Myers, right? Undrafted free agent who last year, if you had him on your team, he was a flex player wide receiver too for you for a good amount of weeks. Um, he has that chemistry with Cam, which I think is huge. He's got that chemistry with Cam from last year when he was learning the playbook and for that reason, I think Jacoby Myers is going to establish himself as the starting wide receiver on the outside. Now, having both Janu and Henry, I'd imagine we're going to see a ton of 12 personnel, which means, you know, obviously Julian Edelman no longer the team. Kendrick Bourne is supposed to come in and be the slot receiver. I, I don't think he's going to see too many looks. I think this is going to be more of a Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar on the outside type deal. Yeah. Um, and Aguilar, very capable. He had over 800 yards and eight touchdowns last year with uh, the Raiders. But when it comes down to it, I think Myers, if you're going to look at any wide receiver in this draft, it's got to be Myers. And like I said, he's got that built-in chemistry with Cam. And he's free, right? He's completely oh, yeah. free. Completely free. Like he's going – he's super undrafted right now. 
So, uh, and, and the reports out of camp is that Jacoby Myers is likely their number one wide receiver. Yeah. And that Cantu is targeting him and he's doing his thing. So just you got to keep an eye on him. Hey, listen, if you can get somebody who you can throw in your flex in a PPR league, right? Um, at the very end of your draft. At the, yeah. at the very end of your draft. And you're actually, you can, he's actually startable in week one. Well, maybe not against Byron Jones and Xavier Howard um, in week one because we know that they play the Dolphins, but still. Uh, keep it, <laughs> by the way, keeping, uh, uh, you should look at the uh, Xavier Howard contract situation, by the way. Maybe he won't play week one, <laughs> but that's another that's story. True. That's true. Um, uh, anyway. Okay. Um, I think that's all we have to say about the wide receiver position. Yeah. Right? I mean, other than the fact that Nikhil Harry is currently in the roster bubble. Yes, exactly. So let, let's talk about uh, Jonu Smith and, and, and Hunter Henry. I, I know that you do like one of those guys over the other in, in terms for fantasy. Yeah. For fantasy, I, I do like Henry. A little more. Um, Janu right now dealing with some injuries, and uh, he, he's got a hamstring injury right now, and I don't know if it's going to sideline him for a bit. Hunter Henry's coming in there. He's getting all those reps. Hunter Henry, I believe, also had a little bit of an injury, uh, a little bit of an injury scare not so long ago. So both these guys have their own little injuries going on right now. But when it comes down to these two being healthy on the field, uh, Henry's going to get the edge for me. And the reason for it is I believe Henry is um, – more so the possession type uh, receiving tight end. I think he can be on the field for three downs and he has that big play capability like John O. Smith does. I mean, before last year, if I asked you, who would you want in your team, Hunter Henry or John O. Smith, it'd be easily Hunter Henry. John O. Smith hasn't proven himself yet. Right. right. And it wasn't until last year, even though he was still splitting the role with Anthony Ferkser essentially in Tennessee, like John O. Smith, he had his moments, but overall he's not, I, can we even call him an established tight end at this point? I mean, he's better oh, yeah. than the average tight so. end, but like not an established like tight end one for a team. I would say he is um, because he's a good blocker. He's an explosive playmaker. Like if you give John Smith targets, like he is going, he's going to absolutely keep yeah. it. Um, my only concern with this is that like, they kind of cancel each other out. Like, can they both finish as a top 12 tight end? Sure. But like, is the ceiling really that high when it comes to these two? Maybe because the passing volume gets concentrated into these, you know, into these two guys. Um, but it's one of those things where like, okay, Hunter Henry was on the chargers last year, right? Uh, he had Justin Herbert. Would you say that this quarterback situation is a downgrade? Of course. Of course. Right. Obviously the chargers had Mike Williams. They had Keenan Allen. They had Austin Eckler. So they had a lot more weapons to get the pass the ball to no doubt, but Hunter Henry didn't necessarily command the ball. Right um, now, Hunter Henry does play more outside in the slot than John o. Smith does. He was playing more in line, but still ran a bunch of routes, obviously, under Arthur yeah. Smith in Tennessee. Uh, I would say like Hunter Henry's like that possession guy. Like you said, John o. Smith is like, like playmaker, you know, can break a long one. Um, at the end of the day, it's like one of those situations where like at the end of my drafts, maybe I'll be, you know, taking a shot on one of these guys. Um, and if I had to take a shot on one of them, if John Smith comes back fine, you know, he might be the guy that I, I look at. Uh, but at the same time, like, I do think that I might look elsewhere uh, if I'm yeah. looking for a tight end uh, because I want like somebody who is like the standalone guy on their offense, if that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely understand that. And he, he's not all that appealing unless you're in a deeper league. But I will say if one of these two guys do get hurt for a long period of time, the other guy definitely has top 10 tight end potential because Top five. Top five. Yeah. Top five, top 10. 
Um, it's very possible. But because who else do they have, right? These guys can end up being like their number one target on their team. If one of these two tight ends go out, like it it could be, it could be very fruitful. And uh, (laughs) let me finish this statement here before you like, Um, Cam Newton is not Tom Brady for a lot of reasons, right? One, obviously. (laughs) So yes, you do do have me perplexed. Okay. Because what? (laughs) (laughs) But the reason I'm bringing this up is because Tom Brady's thing is spreading the ball. Tom Brady likes to share the wealth. He likes to get everybody involved. Cam Newton's going to hyper-focus on one guy, a couple of guys. We saw that last year with Jacoby Myers. We saw that in Carolina with Greg Olson. So my feeling is, how many times a game do you think Cam Newton's going to throw the ball? 30? Yes. So About call that. it 30 times. Let's say he's throwing the ball 30 times. Who's to say Henry can't get six or seven of those targets each week? Who's to say Jacoby Myers can't get seven or eight of those targets every week. And if that ends up being the case, that's not even 50% of the targets. I can't even think of what other names would make up the rest of that. The running backs are barely seeing any targets. Um, Nelson Aguilar, I'm sure he's good for four or five, but I think there's room in that sense for Henry and Jonu to both have good weeks at the same time. Not to mention, like I said, if one of these guys get hurt, they could blow up. So um, I, I think Henry's in a spot where he could see seven to eight, six to seven, you know, somewhere between the six to eight target range every single game, which isn't bad. You know, that's, that's not yeah. bad. Like tight ends have produced on a lot less. Right. Right. No, I get that. I get that. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's a situation to monitor. Um, you know, you, you might have to like kind of plant a flag on some guy if you're planning on drafting one of these, cause they're going to go very, you know, very similar ranges unless, there's some hype behind, you know, certain guys, right? And, yeah. and we'll keep paying attention to camp um, to see, you know, who's running more routes, who has a better rapport with Cam, that sort of thing. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think we're good there. Let's I go ahead and move on to the Dolphins. We're going to save the Bills the best for last. Um, I'm a Jets fan. I'm still saying that. that. That just, like, almost threw up in my mouth just now. But the Dolphins, um, Tua uh, going into his second year, um, I don't want to overblow this, but he threw five interceptions today or yesterday, whatever it was in OTAs. Not a big deal, right? Another really good quarterback last year. Uh, no, two years ago, threw five interceptions uh, in his first practice too. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, he is like the goat. Um, oh. <laughs> no, who, who, who else was it? I, I don't know. I just remember Jimmy G a couple of years ago did the same thing. But he went to the Super, he went he ended up going to the Super Bowl that year, so. New Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes has seven interceptions in six practices. That's amazing. I love that. Um, so this guy's the best. Is this guy is somewhere between Jimmy G and Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> pretty much. Um, he's not. I mean, he's probably good for a combination of those two, right? But Kyle, but like Kyle Shanahan, I remember him saying, "Like, hey, man, at least at least Jimmy's getting him out, getting him out now, and not in the games." That's a good point. Um, okay, so you know, we don't know. I don't know what to expect out of Tua this year. But yeah, his, his weapons, you know, have gotten pretty good, right? You know, yeah. they, they drafted Jalen Waddle, who's explosive as hell. Apparently, they, they don't have the best connection in college, but that's fine. That was college. That's different. Um, it could totally ha- happen this time. And, they, he, you know, they also had other really good wide receivers there in college as well. Uh, but And that was Waddle's freshman year as well. I just want to bring that up as too. And Waddle's freshman year and his best statistical year. Right. Henry Ruggs was there, you know. So Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, Judy was there. So, all of these guys were there. Devontae Smith was there too. Um, Devontae, so you know, you have him and they, they had Will Fuller and you had Devontae Parker. 
right? And obviously you have to talk about the tight ends and the running backs, right? All all weapons on this offense. So two oh, yeah. is set up right now. You know, as long as, you know, his guys don't get hurt, you know, all of three of his wide receivers are injury prone. Maybe injury prone is a bad word, but have had their fair share of injuries. Okay. Um, So there's that to consider, but at the same time, you know, he's not a rushing quarterback. He can scramble a little bit, a little athletic, but you know, he's somebody that you want to look out for a little bit because if he does make that jump, it could be a big one because of his weapons, uh, because, you know, he's going into a situation where, you know, he's, there's a little bit of continuity, hopefully, because they promoted their running back coach and the wide receiver coach to co-offensive coordinator. Um, so, you know, it's something to look out for. Now, going into next year, how are you viewing Tua? Is he on the fantasy radar for you at all? Do you think that he can make that jump? Is he someone you're looking out for week one, week two, that sort of thing? What are you thinking? I, I think he's a good target in like two quarterback or super flex leagues. Um we, we talked about this the other week. Um, I believe it was last time or maybe the time before. We went to a deep conversation about Trey Lance and about how if you're at the tail end of your draft, why pick like a Derek Carr or someone like that who has very limited upside as opposed to a Trey Lance whose upside is through the roof. When you talk about Tua, yeah, he doesn't have a great floor, but if he hits his upside, I mean, he could be a top 10 quarterback. So... I, I think there's definitely a reason to look for a guy like Tua, even if he doesn't exactly hit that metric. Like you said, he's got a ton of weapons at his disposal. Um, and more notably, they made some very much needed changes to the offensive line. They got DJ Fluker on the playing guard now, Matt Skura at the center. They drafted Liam Eichenberg to play right tackle, cover his blind side because he's a left-handed thrower. But um yeah, I mean, like, they, they made improvements to the offensive line. Austin Jackson, their first-round pick last year, is now healthy. So um, it, it's just about whether his weapons can stay healthy, who he vibes with the most. I think Will Fuller is great there as the deep threat. Jalen Waddle might be the every-down guy. Devontae Parker also being that deep threat. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's set up for success. He's just got to go out and take it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I agree. I, it's very hard to, to see – it's very hard to predict what Tua is going to do in his second year. Uh, you know, he wasn't really set up for that last year. Throwing, throw, he was thrown into the fire. It seems like he wasn't completely ready. Uh, but, you know, he could have made huge strides going into this year. So, so we'll see how that works out. We'll see. We'll kind of hear what's going on in camp as well. Um, but you know what? Since we're on the topic, we were talking about the wide receivers. Let's hop into the wide receivers first. And then we'll talk about Miles Gaston right after that. Um, so, you know, we talked about the wide receivers. Now, look at their prices, man. Like Will Fuller, you know, going in the eighth round right? Um, Devontae Parker, 10th round, uh, 11th round, actually. And then you have um, um, Jalen Waddle, who's going in the ninth. So all these guys are kind of going in the later rounds Good here. Like, wouldn't you say that like Will Fuller is like, should be somebody that we target just because of the upside? Yes and no. I mean, I feel like Will Fuller part of the reason Will Fuller had such good success, not that he's not a good wide receiver was because how insanely good his chemistry was with Deshaun Watson. I mean, otherworldly, these guys were like right next to each other in terms of uh, knowing where to throw the ball, their production with touchdowns. And just, I mean, it, it was like clockwork every game. Will Fuller would be in the perfect spot. Deshaun Watson would throw it in the perfect spot and they would make it work. 
But look My at last year, though. But look at last year. Sure. How they use Will Fuller completely different. Completely than different. how they used to use him. Right. Will Fuller was like this deep shot guy every single time, and then all of a sudden he turned into a almost like a possession receiver. Um, you know, with some upside with that with those long gains as well. But I was surprised to see that his route running changed to like he was running short, intermediate, and deep routes all all, all throughout the route tree, which yeah. was pretty impressive. So. If he's somebody who can step in here and do similar things, you know, he could potentially turn into the number one on this offense. And I think PEDs or not or whatever, Will that's, Fuller is going That's a concern. To, <laughs> that, that is a concern. But he's going into 2021 healthy, right? And if you look at his injuries, torn ACL followed up by, you know, soft tissue injuries the following year, which turned into one major injury at the end of the year. And then it was last year he, was, he had like this herniated disc or whatever. But Joe, someone just, I just got, huh? I just got a, I just got a question. Someone just asked me a question. Yeah, yeah. This isn't live, but somebody asked me a question. They said, "Hey, Joe, but he's going into the season, you know, healthy, but he's PED free. How do you feel about that?" The way they describe PEDs, it's it's so confusing. Because it could be um, a medicine that just isn't approved by the NFL. It doesn't mean PEDs don't always mean steroids. PEDs don't always mean that he's like doing hardcore steroids and without doing hardcore steroids. And he only did it in the off season to help his recovery, by the way. It wasn't like every week during the season, he was like pumping up and like. Guess what? He didn't get hurt. He didn't get hurt. So it definitely helped. He didn't get hurt, but I doubt whatever he did is the reason he didn't get hurt for the entire season. You know what I mean? And I, 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 I have, I have my doubts because this is the first time. You have your doubts, but dude, this I don't know. First, I, I think the it first helped time. with his recovery. <laughs> I think it definitely helped with his recovery. I think so but too. At the same time, I don't think it was the factor as to why he was healthy. I think, yeah. you know, Hopefully. like look at Keenan Allen. If you looked at Keenan Allen, his first couple of seasons, you'd be like, there's no way, like this dude plays 16 games, has to be some sort of PEDs. There's no way this dude could just be healthy. So but it happens. again, Keenan Allen and, and Will Fuller, their injury, their injury history has nothing like each other. Okay, like Will Fuller had like legit injuries over and over and over again. Keenan Allen, he ruptured his spleen or something. Or his or an ACL. Lateral. And then he had a torn ACL. And that was it. That was it. Nothing else. You know, so yeah, like Will Fuller's had some serious injuries. And if you look at a bunch, at he had a bunch of injuries. He had a bunch of injuries, but a lot of them were soft tissue injuries after a torn yeah. ACL. Sure, sure. But still, like it, it, it was a lot. Like I, I, what yeah, I'm but saying, now he's all, two years removed from any all serious All I'm injury. saying, oh no, no, no. I'm all I'm all I'm pointing out is like comparing it to the Keenan Keenan Allen. Sure, that's fine. That's fine. You know, Keenan Allen hasn't had hasn't had that type of thing. Like Will Fuller, like for his first like four years of the season, four four years of his career, you're like, is this dude ever gonna stay healthy? You know what I mean? Like it's just one of those things. Keenan Allen was like two years in a row, whatever. That was it. Um, okay, so do you think there's a world where Devontae Parker can be the number one? Where Jalen Waddle can be the number one? Can you see those two things happening? Or do are you pretty convinced that Will Fuller, as long as he's healthy, he'll be the guy? I think Jalen Waddle was drafted to have to be that safety net, to be that number one. Um, it sounds like they want to use him outside, though, which is, you know, we'll, we'll see how that works out. I wonder if they're going to run a 12 personnel with Hunter Long 
and have him be involved and have Gazeki and another guy in the field or maybe even two running I can't backs. Ima- I, can't, I can't imagine them doing that. I can't imagine them bringing in having to have Hunter Long in and leaving <laughs> one of Will Fuller, Devonta Parker, or Jalen Waddle off the That's field. what I'm saying too, but if you have you have Will Fuller as a primarily outside guy, you have Devontae Parker belonging to the outside, no, but, but, and they're but saying Devontae, they want to play Jalen Waddle on the outside as well. Sure, sure. so put, put Will Fuller inside, and then I'll be even more interested in Will Fuller. You know what yeah, I, mean? I guess. But you know, Will Fuller can be his primary, you know, target or his security blanket too, right? Yeah. Because Will, well, like last year, he wasn't primary playing on the outside, right? Like he had his fair share of snaps in the slot too, and he was getting open, obviously, um, out of the slot. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I don't think by them saying that Waddle will will they want to play him on the outside. I don't think that means that he'll number one primarily play on the outside. Number two, even if he does. I don't see that as like Devontae Parker coming off the field and Will Fuller coming off the field because they want to bring in Hunter Long. I wonder if they really <laughs> like Mike Kozeki in the slot. Yeah, maybe, but that still means that you have to take with some of these wide receivers off the no, field. No, yeah, absolutely. Right? No. Um, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting. You, unless you go in 10 personnel, right, and you have four receivers on the field, which to me makes more sense, to be honest, if you really want to bring Hunter Long in, you know. Um, but, yeah, okay. Last so... <laughs> Let's go into the tight end situation. Uh, Mike Gusecki, I think he was a big loser um, off of the, you know, from this offseason. Oh, yeah. I mean, they just drafted a wide receiver. They signed a wide receiver. Um, you know, it's not looking good for him. They brought back Miles Gaston, who you know is going to get a ton of receptions out of the backfield as well. So, I'm personally, I love Mike Gusecki as a talent. Um, it's one of those situations where, like, listen, if this offense is going to be a good offense, Mike Gusecki can still get his and yeah. still be a top 12 tight end. Um, will he be a difference maker, though, at the tight end? Does he have the top five upside? I, I just I don't think so. Yeah, and as a longtime Mike Gusecki supporter, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still standing firm next to him. I, I believe he can still get some value off of the fact that him and Tua started to connect really, really well at the end of last year. Um, he'll still have his big moments, his big games, and uh, he got a ton of targets too. So there's a chance if he is playing that slot role that he does see targets in that area as well. Um, but definitely, yeah, the upside just kind of cut in half with all these additions and whatnot. So um, I, I, I do classify Gizuki as like the low end. Uh, what uh, what am I saying? The low lower end tight end one. I think he still belongs in that type of range. But at the same time, he's probably not someone I'm drafting at this point. Yeah, no, I, I I feel the same way. Um, okay, so that's it for the Dolphins. Oh, no, we didn't talk about – I'm we sorry, we didn't talk, talk about, about Miles Um Miles Gaskin, man, somebody that I am going to be aiming for. I think him and – you know, we're not talking about the Falcons this 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 time around, but uh, the, him and Mike Davis are very similar yeah. um, in the fact that they're going in very, you know, very similar ranges. Miles Gaskin is going – at the five, six turn. And so is Mike Davis. Um, and I can totally see myself if I have only one, let's say I have like one running back, you know, or two, maybe two running backs, you know, um, in the first four rounds and I'm drafting at the turn, taking guys like Miles Gaskin and Mike Davis, they're going to be like, I'm going to have like, like my eyes going to be this big. I'm going to have the goggles on. If you can't see me, I got, I'm going to have the goggles on for these guys, man. Cause huge values right now. Yeah. Their, their prices are definitely going to rise as the season gets closer. As the season gets closer, they're going to be, you know, people are going to say like, okay, who are the Falcons going to sign that's going to mess up Mike Davis? Who are the Dolphins going to sign that's going to mess up Miles Gaskin? 
Everyone's looking out for that. That's why the price is so low right now. If you're drafting soon, draft these guys right now with the with the with that pick because there are there are no running backs that you're, that are going to be on the field, you know, and have a role on all three downs like Mike Davis and Miles Gaskin is going to have. So specifically, Miles Gaskin, he was one of the most efficient pass catching running backs last year in terms of yards per route run. Yards per route run, he was top five. All right. Um, when he lost his, when he, when he got hurt, Salvin Ahmed came in, you know, a couple other guys got some run when he got back and he was hurt. You know, he also had COVID came back. He got the job back. He was still, he was back on the field for 75% of snaps. That's what you want in PPR leagues. He's going to have a nice little floor for you. Um, and going into his second, his, his second year, dude can third year, even third year, he can even get better. So um, I'm looking forward to that situation. Um, I think that with Tua, he can potentially be a little bit of a check down for him. So um, I'm all about it. And this offense potentially getting better. Always, always helps the running back as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I do like Gaskin. Um, I think I wouldn't be ready to classify him um, in like that mid to high running back two range. He definitely has that upside, but for me, I still have concerns of, you know, how good is Salvan Ahmed? Is, is he good enough to take groundwork from Miles Gaskin? Even if, and if Miles Gaskin is just the pass catching guy or mainly the pass catching guy, he still has great value as a low end running back too. That's fine. I still have him in that range, but I don't want to discount what kind of role Ahmed could have. They brought in Malcolm Brown, who's capable all around. Um, Jared Dokes, this rookie that they drafted, I've been hearing, good things about his size and athleticism and stuff like that. Um, you just never know. Cause I feel like last year who the hell predicted miles Gaskin was going to be the guy, you know what I mean? It was Matt Burita. It was Jordan Howard, which is so funny to say now, but like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like nobody thought the seventh round pick from the year before was going to be the guy in 2020. So yeah. that's, that's why I'm just not totally ready to say, he's going to be the guy again. Although they did give him the work and they did show that they do trust him. That's just one year. We, we don't know if maybe Salvan Ahmed has a good camp and then all of a sudden he's the guy. So I, it, I don't it know. Seems, so, so as of right now, like out of camp and like you brought a great point about Jordan Howard and, and Matt Rita um, right now in camp. Um, and it's funny, like with Jordan Howard and Matt Rita, nobody separated themselves right up all the way up until the season. And people yeah. just had to take shots in the dark. You remember that? Yep. Um, but so far in OTAs, Miles Gaskin has been the guy, apparently, according to beat reporters. Um, he has been playing very well. He's been catching the ball. Um, he's been doing some good things in camp. So um, as of right now, things are looking good for him. Um, Malcolm Brown potentially can be their goal line guy, um, potentially get some like, you know, third down work, short third down work. Um, but uh, you know, Miles Gaston to me, he's somebody that can end up with 50 catches this year. Um, you know, on top of that, you know, have like 200 rushes or so. So, you know, the 250 touch range for Miles Gaston, I think is, is very possible. This dude was a, a complete workhorse in college, right? Um, you know, he killed it on the ground as well. So like, you know, he's not just a pass catcher. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm in on Gaskin at this price. If it moves up, fourth round, that sort of thing, I'm definitely drafting wide receivers over him. Fifth round, that sort of thing, potentially the same thing. Deontay, Jan Deontay Johnson, my favorite mid-round wide receiver. If he's on the board, Miles Gass is on the board, I'm taking Deontay Johnson. It, it, that, that's how I feel about him. But if I need a running back, a running back three, 
Um, if, if I, for some reason, had wide receivers fall to me that I could not pass up on for whatever reason, Miles Gaskin is going to be somebody I'm definitely looking at for sure. Let me tell you about this draft I'm in right now. So, as you know, us fantasy people are nuts. So, I have two slow drafts going on right now. One with State of Mind. Uh, it's called the Dynamic Duo League, where you basically, like, a follower has a team, you have a league, you have a team, and then you guys are both, like, helping each other draft, and you can't trade with each other, whatever. This is my team so far. I have Alvin Kamara, first round. I had the fourth overall. Uh, I had A.J. Brown in the second round. I had Allen Robinson fall to me in the beginning of the third round. I had Miles Gaskin at the end of the fourth round as my running back, too. And then I have T.J. Hawkinson in the fifth round. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I, and I like where Gaskin fell to me because I had the option between him and Mike Davis, Kareem Hunt, and a couple other guys. And I just felt like at that point, Gaskin was going to bring me the most value. So, yeah, I, I definitely see Miles Gaskin as being a value as of right now. I just don't want to see him going in the third round. That's just not where I yeah. want to take him. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's all about price when it comes to Miles exactly. Gaskin. Honestly, even Mike Davis for me, even though like he, he, he I think, has more security over his backfield than Gaskin does. Um, even, even Davis in the third round is very risky. You know, yeah. especially with the other names that are there in that third round. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely not going there. Um, okay, let's move on to the Bills. So we this team is a lot easier to predict overall. Josh Allen had, had a ridiculous season, an amazing jump from year one to year two. He's looking legit. And now going into his year three, year three, right? Or is it year four? Year four, right? He's going oh, into yeah. his fourth year now. Yeah. He's going into his fourth year now. Um, and it's he's at a point where he had his massive season. Was that his ceiling? Are we going to be paying for Josh Allen's ceiling this year? And is it a situation where, like, you know, you're, you're drafting Lamar last year super early, but Lamar didn't come through for most of the year. Second half of the season, he killed it. The first half of the season, he had a lot of trouble before COVID. So what's what? how are you looking at Josh Allen next year? Is he a lock for you as, like, a top three quarterback? So – Top three just because of the upside of other guys and how their situations have improved, Josh Allen's situation hasn't necessarily improved, but it hasn't really gotten worse either. You know, it's just kind of like a lateral move for Josh Allen. Um, I have Josh Allen as my QB five. I have um, obviously Mahomes at first, Lamar second, Dak. You know, since he's all this news is coming out of him doing so well, I have Dak at three, and then Kyler Murray at four. Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where he gets drafted and where he gets ranked among that group um, in terms of like ADPs and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I think I think if you can get him the fifth, sixth round, I think he's going to be great this year. Um, I'm not necessarily thinking he's going to like do any better as in terms of if he's hit his ceiling. Last year was the first year where he kind of got his footing, right? So I don't I, I don't want to jump and say he's hit his ceiling. I guess uh, ceiling in terms of fantasy. Yeah, I I guess. I guess last year was pretty big for him. He could be more efficient. Maybe if they finally get something going with the run game, maybe they're less reliant on him, um, especially as a runner. So, well, well, you know, they were definitely less reliant on him as a runner, and they actually didn't even run the ball last year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they were an extremely pass-heavy team, so I'm not yeah. interested, interested in their running backs no matter what. Um, but, but still, like, the dude, like, I'm looking at his stats right now from last year, and, and it was – it's amazing to see like the progression. Um, oh yeah. You know, uh, as far as rushing yards. So last season 
Um, he only rushed for, let's see, sorry, uh, 420 yards last year. But he still had eight um, rushing touchdowns. He had eight rushing touchdowns, yes. So if you compare that to, let's say, compare that to 2019. He had nine um, rushing touchdowns. <laughs> and he yes, had 500 510 yards. yards, like 80 yes. more yards than that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so he, I think he's less dependent on his legs, um, even though he can do his thing. Uh, but he's always going to be a factor at the goal line, right? And that's where his value really comes into play. And I don't think that's changing this year, right? It's not like Devin Singletary um, is going to do something different this year where they're going to trust him more at the goal line. Um you know, I, I I don't think that that's going to be a situation with Zach Moss either. He's coming off an injury. Um, so, yeah, like I just think Josh Allen's still that dude. And they're going to milk this, man. They're trying to make this make it to the Super Bowl right now. Um, he has an amazing number one in Stephon Diggs. Um, the number two, you know, who knows? Like they have, well, they obviously have Cole Beasley, right? So he, he's going to be very involved. And, you know, hopefully they'll have a second year wide receiver, you know, Gabriel Davis, who can make a jump as well. Um, a lot of people like him. The numbers don't necessarily support him from a metric standpoint from making that second jump. But when you look at it from a football perspective and you look it at does, what he's absolutely. been doing, um, he, he he jumps off of the page a little bit when it comes to like the plays that he was making as a rookie. Um, so it's very possible that he jumps in over Emmanuel Sanders at times. And I think the biggest thing too is Sanders traditionally is a slot wide receiver. So if he does come in, I think at this point, Sanders is just kind of there for the ride and depth. Um, although, you know, I don't want to talk too much down on Sanders because this dude came off a torn Achilles and played 17 games uh, at like over 30 years old. So I I don't want to cross Sanders out too quickly. So so let's go ahead and just transition right into the wide receivers now. But yeah, yeah, that's perfect segue since we're already there and I'm already doing it. (laughs) But, (laughs) But John Brown was the guy on the outside taking away from Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis was in his first year with John Brown, no longer there. Benton Sanders likely taking more away. And I don't think Beasley is going to come off the field either. So um, I don't know. I don't really see where Emmanuel Sanders fits in, but with that being said, I, I really think Gabriel Davis has a chance to own that outside role. And if he does, I really do think there's some good value to be had there. Um, it, like statistically, yeah, it doesn't really match up that well. But when you look at where he's lining up and where John Brown was lining up, as opposed to where Emmanuel Sanders is going to line up, there's definitely, definitely opportunity for Gabriel Davis to have big games. And imagine if Stefan Diggs gets hurt. I mean, we, we want to keep like putting injuries on these guys, but if Diggs Stephon gets D- hurt, if Stefan Diggs gets hurt, this offense is going to go to shit. That's it's going to go to shit, but someone's still going to get those targets. Yes, and it might be more distributed than we think. Like Gabriel, I don't know sure. if Gabriel Davis is just going to command like that many targets. I think they're going to do it different. They're going to have to rework that offense completely. Yeah. Um, but also, like Cole Beasley's thirty-two years old, right? There's no guarantee that. I mean, Cole Beasley hasn't been the epitome of like of consistency over his career, right? Sure. Like super up and down. He had a great year last year from a fantasy perspective. He did. He held his own. Um, somebody we should still be looking out for in terms of like you know, late round guys like Cole Beasley, you know, right now he's going up. Oh, of course I have to close that tab. Awesome. Um, but right now Beasley's going in the 11th, 11th, 12th round right now. So like, you know, if you want some depth wide receiver, sure. You know what I mean? The upside isn't intense, but can he, can he be like a wide receiver three for you in a 12 team league where you start three wide receivers and a couple flexes? Yeah. Like he can be somebody that can do that, do that. Um, but 
there's also no guarantee that he continues what he did last year. And then a guy like Gabriel Davis can like move into that number two wide receiver role. Very possible. So just keep an eye out for that too. Um, and Gabriel Davis is going much later than that. So Gabriel Davis is going in the 13th round, 14th round. So yeah. he's somebody you can get at the end Great of the draft. Um, you know, and plus, like, remember, these are all guys, the super late guys are all people you had to keep an eye on in week one, right? On waivers, picking them up, putting them at the back of your rosters, that sort of thing, just to see who is going to be that breakout. Because if that breakout happens and that guy's sitting on your bench, you're going to be very happy. Um, Stefan Diggs, at this point, if I'm drafting today, Stefan Diggs is probably my number one overall wide receiver drafted. Um, him, Tyreek Hill would be the, like the one and two for me. Yeah. Um, Devonte Adams, obviously, he would be my number one if I knew that Aaron Rodgers was going to stay. If I had to predict is Aaron Rodgers going to stay, I'm going to say yes. But like, whatever, that's just me. Like, I'm not going to draft based on, you know, what I think is going to happen. I just I'm going to read the tea leaves and I'm going to, you know. Uh, prepare myself, right? Because if something happens to Aaron Rodgers, then you just wasted a first-round draft pick on Devonta Adams, who's still going to hold it down for you, but, you know, he wasn't worthy of that number one overall pick at that point. But Stefan Diggs, somebody, you know, like I said before, he separates himself. There's a clear differential in in target share. It's going to be very concentrated towards Stefan Diggs. So I think he's guaranteed another 160, 170 targets. The way that we were looking at A.J. Brown, in terms of targets, target share, that sort of thing, you got to look at Stefan Diggs because now we know that this is an extremely pass-heavy offense. They asked Brian, yeah. they, asked their, they asked their offensive coordinator, what do you think about the run game? You think you're running more next year? He said, hey, I don't care about volume for, for, for the running game. I care about efficiency. You know what that means? He's not running the ball. No, he's not running the ball. <laughs> so yeah, this is going to be a pass-heavy offense. Um, Diggs right now is my wide receiver two. Um, I, I, I think Tyreek Hill, the one thing that was missing for him was like consistent volume and he finally got that. He did. And now uh Sammy Watkins is gone and they didn't really add him regardless. Um yeah, I mean there's nothing to hate about Diggs. They didn't bring in another alpha next to him. He's still relatively young. Like I- I'm fine with Diggs at the end of the first round. I think that's where he belongs right now. Uh in terms of this running game, I can't help but think Zach Moss has potential to be valued. Right. I mean, when I say potential would be value, I mean, Devin Singletary last at the end of last year was getting benched for TJL. Like, he can was I just, tell you where, where Zach Moss is going and you tell me if you like this value or not? Can you guess? Eighth. No, eighth. he's going to, te- he's going in the 10th right now. Oh, huge value. Which, which I, I thought was too high. Really? Yeah, I, I do. Now, listen, you know, I'm a fan of Zach Moss, right? Like, sure. you, like I think you, I don't know if you remember that. Like, last year, I was touting Zach Moss and the fact that like he's going to be a good running back at the NFL. And I think he could have potentially did some more things if he didn't injure his toe early in the year. But um, is he a legit zero running back target? Only if Devin Singletary gets hurt. I I, I honestly think that. I think that, yeah, I do. Like if Singletary gets hurt, he'll be good. Like Singletary was a three down back when Moss uh, got hurt, right? Um, But he still didn't get a ton of touches in those games, which was a bummer. Zach Moss capable in all phases of the game, preferred on the goal line, preferred in the red zone, preferred in the end zone, that sort of thing. But I'm not sure. Like he might, he might be one of those guys who end up being dead weight on your roster. Does that make sense? I guess I, I could see a world where that becomes you, the case. What do you think the upside is for Zach Moss if Devin Singletary doesn't get hurt? 
for for me, wait, am I looking at the right year? Did TJ Yeldon not play a single snap last year? No, he did. He and did. why is this saying he didn't? What? That is so weird. Well, regardless, so he, um, so he played. Um, so I think you're thinking about the playoffs. I'm looking at the snap count summary. Yeah. It's... Well, yeah. So that's because so he played in week three, four, and five, and then he was inactive for the entire season. Oh, and then yeah. he, he was reactivated. So I was thinking in, about the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, you were thinking about the playoffs. He was reactivated uh, week night um, for the air, for the divisional game and the and the championship game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, like, he played fifty-one percent of snaps in that championship game. By the way, TJ Eldon. Yep. And TJ Eldon's no longer there, and I, I honestly think like Devin Singletary just was not playing up to par, and I think that's part of the reason they drafted Zach Moss. I don't know. I, I, I feel like at one point someone in this backfield has to at least become the one yeah. A, and I and, think and Zach I'm, Moss I'm, has I'm a better you. chance of doing that. I'm with you on that. One hundred percent. The guy who has a better chance in the backfield is definitely Zach Moss. And then I think that's worth buying into, especially in the 10th round when all these running backs are gone. I mean, what's the it, tell me, what's if, the best case scenario for Zach Moss? Okay, no, listen, listen to me. Uh, so here, here's what I think about that. Like, if I, if we get, um, if there's like a competition, right, and we don't hear that, hey, this is going to be a committee no matter what, that sort of thing, that I'm not drafting Zach Moss in the 10th round. But if it's a situation where like Zach Moss is showing out a little bit, right, and Devin Singletary isn't, then it's one. It's a situation where they're like, all right, cool. Like I'll draft him there, hoping that he's their goal line back, right? Obviously, Josh Allen is that guy, but he'll be on the field more in the red zone, which he was in week one. As soon as week one, as a rookie, he was playing over Devin Singletary in those situations. Yeah. So there is a situation where he can be their three down back, but it's going to take a lot for that to happen, and he has to show out to a point where it does happen. Now, do I want to draft him in the tenth just to see what happens in week one? Maybe, but it's very possible that he becomes somebody that I'm frustrated with on my bench. I don't know. For, for me, <laughs> no, knowing how early all these running backs are being drafted and how dr- like dry the position is going to be, like in yeah, the eighth, ninth that. round range, I think he's well worth taking at that point. Um, James Robinson just got drafted in the late fifth in this round in this draft, which I think is hilarious, but. <laughs> okay. When was uh when was ETN drafted? In the third? He was stolen from me by Dom from State of Mind at the first pick of the fourth round. Wow. Okay. I mean that's a good pick right there. Um, good value. So yeah. he, the guys that are going around Zach Moss, uh, you know AJ Dillon, kind of mm. a pure handcuff there. Uh, Tony Pollard, Gus Edwards. Handcuff. Gus Edwards is going about a round after him. Um. Yeah, Kenyon Drake, right around him. That's about it. So I can see it. I think Kenyon Drake's a better pick, but yeah, I know you like Drake in that aspect. Yeah, I mean they're going like kind of back to back right now. I much rather have Drake. Um, but okay, yeah, that's it, man. Um, do we hit everything? I think we got everything. Uh, tight ends for the Bills. Dawson Knox, Jacob Pollister, mess. Not interested in these guys. Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. Awesome. Nice. Thank you guys for <laughs> thank you guys for listening to this long ass podcast. Really appreciate it. Uh we're gonna try to do a little bit more condensed form, but I think this was good. We got into detail. We talked, we hit every position, we talked about all the players that we wanted to. Um, hope you guys found a lot of value in this episode. And we really, really, really appreciate you guys. Thank you for listening. And if you can rate the podcast, if you can subscribe, um, all that, leave a review. 
whatever you want to do. Really appreciate it. Uh, reach out to us. I'm at Upper Hand Fantasy on Instagram. Joe is at fantasy.football.analyst on Instagram. Joe, um, thank you, brother. I appreciate you taking the time as well. Uh, we'll see you guys soon, next week. Soon. <laughs> next week, we got AFC West. Yes, AFC West next week. Thank you, guys. Take it easy. See ya. See you.